0: Hello, this is Historically Thinking's Commonplace book for the week of November 11th, 2018. Many, many other things happen this week in history. They always do. Historians of the American South might like to know that November 13th is the 110th birthday of C. Van Woodward. But there's no use in avoiding the elephant in the room. November 11th, 2018 is the centennial of the Armistice of 1918, the end of the First World War, more or less. It is hard to exaggerate the impact of the First World War. I think it's safe to say that it was the most important event of the last century, and so far of this one as well. It created new cultural norms, artistic expressions, and political orders. The Soviet Union was a result of the First World War, and so, therefore, was the Cold War. In a slightly more indirect fashion than we often believe, the First World War created the condition first for fascism, and then for the rise of Nazi Germany and the Second World War. But the influence of the First World War was even broader than that. The end of the Ottoman Empire brought about the era in the Middle East which we are even now experiencing. The release of Turkish and Arab nationalism, the triumph of Jewish Zionism through the Balfour Declaration, those were all results of the First World War. So too were the reactions of certain Islamic thinkers to the end of the Caliphate, a reaction found still in the ideas preached by al-Qaeda and ISIS. and Nor nor was November 11th really the last day of the conflicts spawned by the First World War. The Russian Civil War, the conflicts in Eastern Europe, the war between Greece and Turkey, all of these wars which continued in other regions after fighting ended on the Western Front would, incredibly enough, claim the lives of as many people as had died in combat in the first four years of the First World War. America was engaged in the war for only a year and a half, and American troops were in combat for a very small part of that time. It's perhaps natural, then, that Americans have forgotten the First World War, but that is a mistake. Numbers alone describe something very important to the American nation. In 1917, following the entry of the United States into the war, four million men were drafted to join an army that was 13th largest in the world. A year later, in the summer of 1918, two million American soldiers were in France. A million of them would see service at the front. By November 11, 1918, 10,000 U.S. soldiers were arriving each day in the ports of France. Other figures can also shock. In year after year of war in Vietnam, 47,434 men were killed and 153,303 wounded. The First World War, saw 53,402 killed and 204,000 non-mortal woundings, and most of those occurred in just six weeks of the continuous combat, which concluded the war on the Western Front. One of those one million Americans on the Western Front was my grandfather, Albert Edward Zambone. He had volunteered for the Army in May 1917 in Wildwood, New Jersey, and been placed in the Coastal Artillery Corps, He said to my mother once that he had joined the army because he didn't want to spend all of his life working in the family's dry goods store. Like so many young soldiers before him, he wanted something else than what he knew. What he got was standing sentry duty at Fort DuPont, just on the other side of the Delaware River from where he had been born and raised. He said he had never been colder before or after, even in a French winter. Cold or not, his buddies were close enough that they could come over and visit him and a photograph shows that they were dapper in their straw boaters, and he was very erect and trim and young in his uniform. By 1918, there wasn't much need for men manning guns to defend the eastern seaboard against German attack, and my grandfather and other coastal artillerymen were transferred into the field artillery, in his case, Battery D of the 2nd Trench Mortar Battalion. He sailed to France, where he was trained on the heavy French mortars, although he Later said he never fired one in his entire wartime combat. By late September, he and tens of thousands of Americans were in that combat that would last until 11 a.m. on November 11th. Someone in his unit, battery D or one of his gunners, had a camera, possibly a little Kodak Brownie. In one picture, my grandfather sits among his men, holding a cigarette, staring bleakly at the camera. He looks about 100 years older than the kid he had been, standing guard at Fort DuPont. On the morning of November 11th, one member of Battery D recorded in his journal that his mortar fired 200 rounds between 10.30 a.m. and 10.56 a.m., and four minutes later it was finished. My grandfather knew that he had survived combat. So, in a very real way, I can look back at that moment and know that it contributed to my own existence. I'm sure that many of you could also look back to that moment, and know that you owe your historical existence to it as well, even if we sometimes forget the strange little ways, and in this case the very large way, that the past always shapes our present. I'm Al Zambone. If you haven't already, please subscribe to Historically Thinking's weekly newsletter, Notanda, for a roundup of links and ideas mostly related to history. You'll find the subscription link at the top of our website, historicallythinking.org. And until next time, brighten the corner where you are.